Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. Before we get started, I just want to remind you guys of the raffle we're doing for a new Canopy tripod. I really appreciate any uh, support that you guys give. So anyways, how you enter the raffle, you just go to DirtyGiants.com and you can buy raffle tickets. There's one for five, three for ten, or five for fifteen. That drawing's coming up. We're going to do it August 1st, so don't wait to get put in. Go ahead and do it. We, I really appreciate the support. We got Hunter Larson on this week Shadow from Shadow Valley Outfitters. He's been around a lot of big bucks, and he's going to tell us some, story, some big buck stories and kind of give us some tips and tricks. The hunting season's coming up, so hopefully we can learn a thing or two and a we can apply it to our upcoming hunts. Anyways, thanks again for the support. Let's get started. All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. I've wanted to talk to uh, Hunter Larson here for a while. Um, I'm glad I got him on this week. And I think he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to deer. He's been around a lot of big deer. He's helped kill a lot of big deer, so I'm really excited to talk to him. I think we can learn a lot from him. So thanks for getting on, Hunter. Yeah, you bet. So Hunter, uh, just to kind of give you a background, he, um, you help with Shadow Valley too, right? Yeah, I've been. This will be my fourth year guiding with him. So. And then, do you just guide the strip, or is there other places that you personally help guide? Um, yeah, I just focus mostly on the strip, just put all the time in the strip. Sometimes we'll go down and do some, like, late elk hunts, but mostly just the strip. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So, before we kind of get into that, I just wanted to ask you maybe, like, what got you into into hunting? Well, I mean, it's kind of like everyone else, for the most part, just grew up doing it. I actually have a little story about that. Um, it was just yeah. my dad, you know, like everybody's dad gets him into hunting. Well, we lived, we lived right on a winter range, um, just here. And so my dad, we li- our backyard was the mountain. So my dad, every single day after school and after work, like back when shed hunting wasn't very cool, my dad would take me out every single day after school, you know, and it got to the point where I was, I mean, I was this little kid. I was probably six, seven, eight years old and I liked it, but I wanted some time with my friends. So I finally told my dad, he's like, I can't do this anymore. And I actually took like a two year break. He finally, he's like, I don't want to ruin it for him. So he just let me do what I wanted to do. And I just kind of came back into it on my own and it made it that much more better, but it was just getting pounded into me so hard that I didn't like it anymore. I didn't have no friends or nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's but that's about how my dad was. He'd go out every single day. We had trash cans full of horns in the garage before people ever even sold them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, before but. it was real, real popular, back when you could find <laughs> 20 sheds in a day pretty easy. Well, yeah, when you'd go out, I mean, I just had a little teeny backpack on, you know, and we'd go out every single day after work and we always, I I don't, I can't quite remember, but I don't think it was nothing to find 10 to 20 horns every night. Yeah, that is crazy. It's kind of hard to do now. Yeah, yeah, it's getting, it's getting really popular. 
So, is there like a is there like a a point or maybe like a hunt or a specific buck that just got you like really into hunting big deer? Yeah, it's actually one that got away though. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um. So it was. It, I mean, when you're in high school, it's kind of hard to really, really get into it. But I would. I mean, I'd take. Ever since I got my driver's license, you know, I, I would go as much as I could. I'd take the first two weeks off of school, and that was kind of hard. None of the teachers like that. But <laughs> take the first two weeks off for the archery hunt when I had my driver's license, and I would just hunt with. I was just by myself, but the best I could, you know, with what I had and the the money I had back then. And then once you graduate and get like a real job, you start to get money and you can get better optics and you can spend more time and fuel and things like that. And yeah, I had, I found like a, I'd scouted lots of areas, changing areas every year, trying to find a place with less people and less deer, less deer means less people. So I, uh, that's actually when I met Trevor, too. Um, we were out in the middle of nowhere, and I uh, found a buck. He was probably like a 27-inch wide four-point, just deep forks. He's probably 190. had a couple cheaters out both sides. And that buck's what got me into hunting. And I, every single day after work, I mean, I would drive about an hour and a half after work to go and uh-huh. glass him up and get his pattern down. They did that from about June until all the way the till the hunt started and I had his pattern figured out pretty good. Yeah. And and uh come opening morning, um I had a guy with me, I don't know if you know Brandon Walker, but he's that avid hunting guy. Um Oh okay. He led me in on the buck and I I shot the buck opening morning just like it should have went down and it just wasn't just wasn't a very good shot. I thought it was a kill shot, but that deer right there, I mean, I spent, I didn't even shoot a deer that year. I had a dedicated, so I had all three tags and I, I just like, that's my deer. And I spent, I didn't even hunt anymore. I just spent the whole fall looking for that buck and never found him never found him did you like after the season or anything did you ever turn him up or no i've never seen him again he's dead somewhere it's just in some thick it just some cedar and then scrub oak stuff it's really thick and he i mean there's millions of drainages he could have went you know so yeah and then people were telling me i should have took dogs in there and stuff and i'm like well i didn't really know about any of that like blood dogs or whatever and yeah things like that but the deer the deer went a long ways and bedded down found big huge pools of blood where he had bedded down and but never never found him there's lots of lions in the area so i think maybe he's getting pushed by lions or something but that's what got me addicted to big deer was that that yeah you kind of felt maybe that it was possible to actually kill a big deer he got an arrow in one and Kind of yeah, feel, all that, all that hard work finally paid off, you know. Yeah, well, kinda. <laughs> Just about, <laughs> real close. <laughs> yeah. So, so that kind of happens, and then 
how did you get into like guiding and stuff? So that's what I say, and that's how I met Trevor. And yeah, Trevor's the same way. He's a he's a different cat. That's probably the hardest hunter I know. Um, and he was doing the same thing. He was out there in that area, and I mean, there's nobody hunting out there. It's just a complete desert. You know, there's no there's not really any deer. You can it's like the strip. You can go all all weekend and not see a deer. You know, and yeah, I I had actually was going up the hill in the morning and I'd never seen anyone out there and I was going up the hill and I seen someone's headlamp and I was like, what the heck? I've never even seen anyone out here. I didn't think people would even think there was deer out here. And <laughs> it was actually Trevor's buddy that was hunting the exact same deer. And oh, no. I had no idea he was hunting the deer. And anyways, he, I had glassed the deer up the morning that I had shot him and Trevor's buddy was actually looking in a different area for the same deer. Okay. But after I had arrowed the deer, his buddy walked over and was all cool about it and was glassing and helped look for it. And then Trevor came over and helped look for the deer and things like that. And I don't know, just when someone's willing to help you out like that and is hunting in an area like that, you can tell they're serious about hunting. So... Yeah. Trevor's kind of, I feel like, thought the same thing about me, so he uh, he just asked me to start coming on all these hunts, and it was just, like, I ha I'd been on the strip before, but I hadn't, uh, I'd never been on a hunt, you know, I'd been out there shed hunting and things like that, but I'd never been on a hunt, Uh huh. and he just wasn't, he just had invited me, and I just go out there and I just took work off and just went out there and just glass for free. You know, I, I just loved it because yeah. there is the potential to see something that you've never seen before. Like it's, it's unreal out there, you know? Yeah. You could see something real special out there. Oh yeah. So an opportunity to go out there and see something hit the dirt is kind of what got me started guiding. Okay. So I helped them for, two years before I had my guide license just going out there and glassing during the hunts and things like that and then over that period of time me and Trevor became buddies and and I got my guide license so so a couple questions I had about that so um like you gave the example of like Trevor He's like a really hard hunter, hardcore. Like, what are maybe some like characteristics that you feel like makes a a hard hunter? Like when you when you see it in someone, you're like, okay, they they hunt hard. They know what they're doing. Are there certain well, characteristics? The unit that we're in, there's one of the highest populated deer units you know in the, in the state. Yeah, and it's real easy to just go and see hundreds of deer a day. And that's where everybody's at, you know. But uh -huh. it takes a real a person that wants to kill a big deer and is okay with not killing a deer to go out where I met him, you know. Yeah. Like you have to put in the time and the effort and glass and all that, all that stuff. So that's what I mean. I feel like that's what he thought about me too. I for sure thought that about him. But I think that's one of the main things is willing to go without seeing deer i guess yeah i think and, i think there's a lot of truth to that like 
Um, like you were saying, like, I think that's just what makes like a, a consistent big buck killer is maybe go places that aren't as fun to hunt. And like you said, be willing to not kill a deer. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, other things, I mean, there are benefits to that. Like these other units or the other places in the unit you go and you have trying to make a stock and you bumping does and stuff and it always blows the stock with these other with where we were at i mean you're not really competing with other deer i think there's only two bucks with this buck and so there's less eyes and things like that so if you can find them sometimes it makes it easier but yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense all right sorry i got you kind of off on a tangent but so (laughs) that's kind of how you started uh you met trevor and you guys kind of uh, that's how you started guiding on the strip. So I, I wanted to actually hear a, a story um, about the strip from a, a buck. It's the buck that I think it was a 14-year-old girl killed with the inlines. Yeah, Hannah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that story? Yeah. Um, so that was in that was in 2019. Um, so that's actually Pat's niece. So Pat McCarty, he's one of the owners of Shadow Valley. Okay. That's his, that's his niece that had the tags. And uh, we had killed, by that time, they, they killed a buck opening morning. Pat's hunter killed a buck opening morning. And that time, our hunter had killed the second evening, mine and Trevor's. And then she was the third one. We had four tags that year, or five tags. All on the rifle hunt? All on the rifle hunt, yeah. Okay. And uh, so we we had some manpower at this point. Me and Trevor were done with our hunter, and Pat was done with his hunter. And Uh so we had probably... We had a handful of guys. We probably had eight or nine guys. It was more of a family thing because... They were all, yeah. I mean, that was his, that was his niece, you know. So right. Her mom and grandma and things were there, and it was pretty cool. But it was an area that um, I had went into to check cameras. I was just in like October, middle October, so like three weeks before the hunt or so. I went into an area to check cameras and uh, just call coyotes and stuff, and. It was in the middle of the day, and I was just driving down a two-track road and looked out the window, and there was a call it the ghost buck because I first time I'd ever seen it, and it was the last time I ever seen it. But <laughs> the buck was, I would say, was at least two thirty. But I, I just pulled out. I only had some tens on me. It was about two hundred yards away, and I just kind of watched it walk through the trees, and Jeez. I just had some giant mass on it and just a big frame and extras everywhere and i mean i we we had cameras probably 500 yards from where this buck was and it had never hit camera or nothing like that so we went in there looking for that deer and we uh we got we had everyone's kind of spread out and it was getting about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, just times yeah. where everyone was going to come down off their glassing spot and regroup and have lunch or whatever. And 
I caught some movement moving through the trees, and I knew it wasn't the buck we were in there for, but it had it kind of has like a whitetail frame on it. It just has a lot of inlines to where it makes it look like they're all coming off the beam. Yeah. And I was like, guys, there's a there's a buck moving through the trees, and there was only one spot of shade kind of that it was going to. And it was just on like a, I was facing north, and the buck was heading to the east to lay down on a west-facing hill. Okay. And it was in some really, really, really thick, like a sea of cedars so like i only caught a glimpse of it for probably 30 or 40 seconds but i said you guys were going to want to go check that buck out it looked pretty big and only got one side of it and uh so they you only saw one side of it is that what you said yeah i only seen its right side it was working from left to right yeah and i only seen one side so everybody came up to me and Pat and his niece, and we had another hunter. His name was Mark. He ended up killing uh-huh. Big Typical the next day. But um, So we had two guns that were going to go up there. Mark was going to get the first crack at it if he wanted to shoot the buck, but we didn't really know what it was. It wasn't nothing we had on camera or anything like that. It was just another buck that we really didn't know about. And so... They work up this ridge, and it's a long ways to get to where they could shoot from. It took them probably about an hour from the road to walk up and kind of get above the deer to look. At this point, I have no idea where the deer's at. I could just tell that it was headed for shade. Yeah. And I didn't, I lost, I didn't have any eyes on the deer. So their plan was just to go up and just kind of glass down on the bottom of the the drainage where the shade was and okay. they got eyes they got eyes on the buck right as soon as they got up there right where I had last seen it go into the trees and Oh wow. They they were above it so they were quite a ways above it so they couldn't get a very it was kinda of deceiving for them. So the back G twos on both sides are broke off. Uh huh. But they the one the mark he said, I'm not going to shoot that deer. They didn't think the buck would go over 200. And I was telling oh, okay. them, when I had glassed it up, I was telling them how big the thing was and that they <laughs> needed to get up there. And when they yeah. came over the radio and told me that they didn't think they were going to shoot it, I was like, you got to be kidding me. That thing <laughs> looked giant. And oh, so Mark, okay. ended up pass- Mark ended up passing it up. And um, Pat really. Yeah, Pat asked Hannah, he's like, do you want to shoot that deer? And they have, they're only 250 yards from the deer at this point with a spotting scope, getting phenomenal video of it. And and she's like, yeah, I want that deer. And when, so she got down on the gun, and I think the deer knew they were there. It was just still bedding down. The deer stood up, and right as soon as it stood up, they got a good (laughs) They got a really good look at it, but she was going to shoot it anyway. And uh-huh. when it st- when it stood up, it gave him a lot different of an angle, and she hammered it one shot and dropped it right there, about 250 yards. <laughs> okay, so because of the angle, it didn't look as. <laughs> but once you know, it, it didn't. Up, it like... looked like everything was short, and it didn't have. It just didn't look like it was very big, and. When they told me they were going to pass it up, my heart sank. I was like, that thing's huge. But yeah. 
and they walked up to it and they said they they said that thing grew by about 40 inches when they walked up to it oh i bet he felt sick <laughs> yeah the the mark guy was beating himself up he yeah he ended up killing an awesome deer too but yeah that was very deceiving the way that all went down so was she she's stoked about it oh yeah she was way stoked and then was all of her family able to like get to the deer and stuff? Yeah, everybody everybody was there and it was it was a good experience. Yep, her whole family got there and it That's was a good so time cool to have like everyone there for her and stuff. Yeah, huge huge deer for a 14-year-old girl. I don't know if she'll ever <laughs> surpass that one. So what did it what did it end up going? I think broke. It went 212 or 214, but it had about 18 inches broke. Jeez. So, Jeez. do the math, it was mid-220s, close to touching 230, somewhere in there. That's a giant. That's awesome. So, yeah. one thing that, that kind of stuck out about uh, your story is you said that um, it never hit camera. So maybe um, that kind of helped have that buck a little more to yourself. And I, I, I kind of wanted to touch about um, what you thought about um, the new trail camera ban coming and maybe like some pros and cons of it. Okay. Um, so there was, there was a, that was a problem. That was 19. There was so many big bucks that there were big bucks in that area uh-huh. and two of the bucks had already been killed in that area we oh, didn't okay. have pictures of it but other guys did have pictures but it, where they had pictures was about 10 to 15 miles away from where that deer was where it got oh, killed okay. so it was traveling finding those and stuff but um we were in there looking for even a different buck just not because of trail cameras either but the trail camera thing i think i mean i'm not old enough to have lived and hunted big bucks before trail cameras weren't a thing you know Uh but i hear all these stories about about how it was before cameras and stuff and i think i think it's going to bring a little bit of magic back to the mountain maybe you know like there's going to be bucks that die of old age out there that are in them thick cedars and things like that. Like some of these bucks that get killed are in the most impossible country to kill and you'd never know the deer was there unless there was a camera, you know? Right. Yeah, it kind of gives you, like you said, that magic that there could be a 260-inch buck just walk out that no one even knows about. Well, yeah, I mean, it might give a it's going to be there's going to be a lot of luck involved and a lot more hard work definitely involved but i think for like the general rifle there's going to be more super giants killed like that 250 to 270 bucks killed and not just the governor and raffle tags you know yeah like i feel like there's going to be there's going to be i mean that's crazy big crazy big deer which i've only seen one deer out there that goes over the 250 mark but um i think that that's going to bring a little more magic back to it you know yeah so one thing too uh we kind of talked before the call um and you kind of uh you you had an instagram post about this that you you kind of had 
you went out to this spot and you had like people following you and we kind of talked about how maybe that might <laughs> happen a little more. Do you want to maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know why anyone would follow me, but <laughs> it's, it's just a weird deal. I mean, I've just over the last couple of years, just in the unit that I am, not in the, not in the strip at all. I haven't had it happen out there, but just in the general unit that I hunt, I pulled up to gas stations, and I mean, scouting, I wear just camel pants and maybe just like a green shirt or whatever. Yeah. Um, and just because it's the most comfy clothes I have, I guess. I don't wear jeans out there scouting, but um, I, I mean, I pulled up to gas stations before, and I can go northeast, south, or west from the gas station, and there's there's been this there's been this couple of guys <laughs> that have uh no matter which direction I go somehow end up right where I'm at and I've had it happen <laughs> for about three years in a row, so I don't know what the whole the whole thinking behind that is, but I mean will I've they, even went will they like, that will they like pull up in glass once you get to your spot or are they just trying to see where you're going? Well, I don't know like it's it's even followed me into shed nothing i don't know i i've only noticed it i've only noticed it i've noticed it three times over the last two years yeah but i've i've noticed it already this year which is weird like so i'll go out somewhere i'll see him at the gas station or whatever and then that truck and then i'll go it it might be just a hundred percent coincidence i don't know but when it happens that many times, I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, I can go out where there's no deer at all, and I'll see their truck that night or the next day right where I'm at, or parked at the same trailhead or something as me. It doesn't matter which one I go to. It's anyways. And yeah, that's, huh. I've went to, I went to wearing pink shirts and like dress clothes as I'm driving. Like <laughs> I've had to, I've had to, and not, like and drive like not my hunting truck drive like a nice truck or something to where i don't i don't know yeah it's it's somewhat worked but it i had a really crazy thing happen though in nevada shed hunting i went out on the opener or whatever you want to call it the first day it's legal i guess and about 10 minutes into it i was the only track down the road going down this road about 10 minutes into it uh-huh. of me hiking. So I was the first truck that had come down that since it had rained, so it was a long time, and got out, and I found like a 190 deadhead buck. Yeah. And I just left it there because I was going to hike all day long. I come oh, back, okay. so I was probably like a quarter mile away from my truck. I come back toward the end of the day. There's a place where a truck had come up, the same road I had come up, parked where I had parked, walked right to the deadhead where I was at, and the deadhead was gone when I got back. Nuh-uh. Yeah, so I think it's, it's, I think it's the same, the same situation going on. I don't really know, but. Jeez. So another thing we kind of talked about is with the trail camera ban, um, there's probably going to be a lot more of that going on on the strip instead of looking for, like we talked about how people 
who don't run a lot of cameras will often look for tanks that have a lot of cameras and kind of relate that with a, a big buck in the area. And maybe right, yeah, they'll, they'll do that. Yeah, definitely. Like, for the most part, there's a few out there average, I'd say, is about five or six cameras on a trick tank. And then mm-hmm. when there's a big buck hitting trick tank, there's if there's 10-plus cameras, you know it's a buck worth shooting. So people will go out there and put a camera on those ones. And uh, I think instead of that happening now, what's going to happen is they're going to see, going to be driving down roads and stuff, and they're going to see these different outfits glassing and stuff, and they're going to associate that with a big buck. And I think people are going to be on top of each other. So, like, it's it's going to be a, a weird deal because I think, I don't know, hunting turns people kind of weird sometimes, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah, big bucks. <laughs> We get, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I just I, think it. In ways, it's going to congregate people just because they're going to see trucks, four or five trucks parked on a glassing spot, and people are going to be like, "Well, let's go see what they're looking for," and then it's going to make it to where you have a deer all to yourself at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that because, in my opinion, I think there's there's some outfitters that go out like. Like you told me before this podcast, you've been on the strip every weekend since May. And then there's some that will go set a bunch of cameras, show up a week before the hunt, get inventory. And so I think think it will kind of separate that a little bit. But I think there might, like you said, might be some of that as well. And like following people and whatnot. Yeah, I I definitely think that's going to be a an issue but i hope not you know i hope that it just does everyone spreads out now yeah yeah that'd be good so speaking of the strip like is it looking pretty rough out there it's looking it's looking about like last year it was looking worse than last year until the last couple weeks with all this rain we've had but but ponds since i've been out there even shedding nothing out there like Ponds that have never been dry or dry or were dry this year, they've got water in them now, but yeah. it doesn't help the, you know, it doesn't help the antler growth now because there, yeah. there wasn't any feed out there really. It wasn't that great. Probably a little too late as far as antler growth, but maybe <laughs> health-wise it might it might help a little bit. So let's say you have a, let's just say you have a hunter coming in, um, for they drew the strip this year we'll just say 13b what archery rifle um maybe i guess eat one of both like what what would you say is like for this year a realistic expectation so for archery i mean i like i said i'm not guiding a hunter on archery this year just for time for my own hunts but yeah archery usually you have chance at the first the first of the deer which the deer are like you you're, there's more big deer at that time you know um uh-huh. but i would say like you're stupid not to shoot anything between 200 and 210 opening morning you know yeah on an archery hunt like i mean that's realistic or something like this year there's lots of people that are drawn tags with 
no points, low points, things like that. Like, they're just winning the lottery pretty much. Yeah. Those guys like that, um, they they need that. If it's touching 200, they need to be shooting it. And same, I think same with the rifle. I think 190 to 200, honestly, is about the realistic expectation. There's always going to be those bucks, those big bucks. But last year it was very slim pickings, as you can tell. So do you think um, you you still think that a 200 inch buck is uh, is obtainable this year pretty obtainable yeah yeah it it is yeah um i mean they're still not fully grown out yet so it's still it's kind of hard they're getting pretty dang close but yeah it's hard to it's hard to tell um but it's just making us go to a lot more a lot further places and um just trying different areas because the traditional areas that are having that have had the big deer the deer the feed's not as great so the deer that were 200 to 210 in 2020 or 2019 that good year yeah are in the 180s this year and they were that way last year and stuff like that so so do you think it will be pretty comparable to um the 2020 season this year yeah think i think it's going to be a little be, worse i think it's going to be about the same okay honestly. okay that's good to know so then another question i had is would you personally rather have the the archery tag if you're trying to kill a big buck or do you think that gives you a little better chance because all the bucks are pretty much still alive yeah well i like archery I like archery anyway, but yeah, to kill a big deer, if that's, I mean, everyone's out there to kill a big deer, but if you want to kill one of the biggest deer, that's the time to do it is on the archery hunt. Yeah, that makes sense. And if I had the tag in my hand, I'd definitely, like I would hire Shadow Valley to help me out as a, I mean, even as a guide, and I know it as good as, because the more eyes you got, you know, the more successful you're going to be. Right, Yeah. Yeah, it, it's pretty, like, if you haven't been out there, it's not like you're just going to pull up on a big buck. Like, I mean, there's giants killed there every year, but <laughs> you could also go a while and not even see a big deer. Oh, no, yeah, we run into those people that are from, like, back east that just draw a random tag, you know, or whatever, and we see them, and they're like, we haven't seen a deer in five days. Yeah. And so we always try to point them in the right direction of where to go. They didn't hire an outfit or whatever. They're just trying to do it themselves or they don't know what they have. Most of the time it's they don't know what they have, you know. Right. Draw the strip tag and then only spend a weekend out there or something to, or kill a two-point or something. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of speaking on that, what, like, when you have a hunter come into camp, what are, like, some... um mistakes you see them make whether it be gear or preparation or like their mentality um i so me and trevor try to team up this year is going to be the first year that we kind of have to split most of the time we have hunters that um want two guides okay. uh, 
So we, anytime me and Trevor can team up, we we do, and we guide one hunter usually. But I've had it lucky since all the hunters that we've had have been really good as far as being prepared and things like that. But for um, I think being being a good shot because Trevor, I learned this from Trevor. He says I will get, I will guarantee you a chance at a big buck but i can't guarantee you two and so you got to make the one you have count you know yeah so whether it's whether it's rifle if you can say you can shoot 600 yards and that deer's at 600 yards you better hit it yeah if you say you can you know Uh if you say you can only shoot 300 yards we're going to get you as close as we can to 300 yards you know right uh this last year was kind of hard because usually it's cold on the strip, but last year it was miserable. We got about six inches of snow opening week. So we got it Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So no one was really prepared for that. I mean, yeah. we the guides were, but the hunters weren't very prepared for that. <laughs> that that makes it a little hard, I'm sure. But you and Trevor still helped kill a, a really big buck, didn't you? Yeah, we were actually hunting a we were hunting a way bigger buck that ended up getting killed by a do-it-yourself. I don't know quite how it was do-it-yourself because Clay's got some pictures. We thought it was a, a do-it-yourself person, but um, mm-hmm. it's that giant typical that they killed but um i'm trying to think clay has clay's got pictures of it but i i thought it was just some lady they're just driving down the road and and shot it we hunted that buck for four days and they end up killing it oh but yeah that buck that we killed on the rifle hunt with eric in the snow yeah let's hear that story That, that sounds like a good story yeah so I mean, last year it was slim pickings, like, you know, and so we were hunting the biggest deer we knew about, and it ended up getting killed by that lady, so there wasn't, I mean, we were looking at 190 bucks to 200-inch bucks, like, that's what we were, I mean, that's what you were down to last year, it was, there wasn't nothing over 205, really, you know. Yeah. And um, we... Me and Trevor like to go to the furthest place for some reason when we're on the rifle hunt. We uh, we camp as all Shadow Valley camps together, right? Because they have camp cooks and things like that and have dinner ready for you when you get back and stuff. But okay. for some reason, me and Trevor like to get as far away as we can. So we're out on the strip about two hours to camp. But for <laughs> some reason, we're always hunting the furthest away from camp we can so if we're camped on the south end of the unit we're hunting the north end of the unit (laughs) we're camped on the north end we're hunting the south end so yeah we go we get up one morning and we're like let's go see what this place is it's just a place that trevor's had luck with before in the past we didn't know about big bucks being in that area particularly but big bucks always move in you know yeah. And so looking for does and things, and it was like a two-and-a-half-hour ride from camp. So we were up at 3 o'clock in the morning. doesn't get light until 7.30, you know, because it's in November. <laughs> and uh-huh. 
we get up and it's all snow and it was all we could do to get up the hill because there was so much it was snowy and muddy and things like that and we we got up there and started glass and it was so foggy that you couldn't see like 20 feet in front of you so we just hung out in the trucks and and hung out for a while and fog would lift we'd hop out of the truck as fast as we can we only had about 10 minutes then it'd come back in and we did that for like four or five hours just trying to get as much glass and and there was bucks moving around you know nice and okay, cool so you were seeing deer yeah it was all throughout the whole entire day but every time we'd see a buck the fog would roll and we couldn't get a good look at it oh, okay and so we were just getting like kind of cabin fever sitting up on this highest point and we're like everybody kind of just took a ridge and decided we we're going to try to drop some elevation and get below the fog and Trevor comes over the radio I had Eric with me he comes over the radio and he's like there's a big buck rutting the doe going up over this ridge and it was actually closer to me and Eric and so we're like all of us are split up like a couple miles from each other okay and so Trevor had seen the buck and we all kind of met back up about 30 40 minutes later and then we went down one ridge to where we thought we could get a shot at the deer and I mean it was just a one canyon and then a big face and there's like no way that the buck could have like got out of there and so we were just sitting there all glassing it took us about an hour to glass him up but he from where we thought he was going to be he was probably a mile and a half further like in that half hour he traveled a mile and a half rutting the doe and the doe was still there he had pulled off the doe and he went and laid up on the hillside and bedded down i don't know if he's seen us or whatever but he seemed okay. pretty smart he seemed pretty smart he left the doe and got away from it i think i think because he felt like we were he was in danger i guess and so so how, how far him. are you at this point like from the how deer? far are you from yeah so the doe's about a hundred yards the doe's about a hundred yards from us where we thought the buck oh, would okay. be and the buck's about i think the buck was 560. Oh, okay so, so you're like kind of in range right now yeah yep and so trevor trevor actually glassed him up better i found the doe and trevor glassed the buck up like where you'd never guess the buck would be at and it was just bedded down in the snow and all the other deer around him were up and feeding like he knew something was going on you know yeah and the hunter eric we got the spotting scope on him and i mean it was rough last year this was like day five and he's like he got a good look at it and he asked us what it scores and I, we said does it really matter what it scores he's like well no it looks cool he liked the look of it and we said that's all that matters and so he laid down and um he put one shot in it it was kind of it was quartered away so he put it right over the back hip and he shot it and the buck stands up and it was just kind of sitting there wobbling and he put another one right in it right in the front shoulder and it went down and we had to drop about a thousand feet in elevation and then go back up about another 600 feet in elevation in the snow so it was kind of it took us about an hour and a half to get to him in the snow it was all kind of cliffy and kind of thick cedars in the bottom and then just slickered and crap probably 
like a 60% incline going up. Jeez. And we got up to the deer, and it was, for for the deer that were available last year, we couldn't have been more happy with that one. Yeah, it looks like a real cool buck, like some splits, some inlines. Yeah, and he's all bladed, little bladed on his G2s on that right side, and he's, he's got lots of inlines and things like that, but it was a pretty cool, pretty cool deer. Yeah, so what do you feel, do you, what do you kind of like feel like you learned from that buck or that hunt, like that maybe you would implement in future hunts? Um, well, just that the, when they're rutting does, I guess, don't think they're just stuck to that doe. They can, if they, if they feel like they're in danger, they're going to do what they can do to stay safe. So don't just watch the doe, kind of look around the doe, because he was, like said, he was a long ways away from the doe. Yeah. And then, yeah. what's that? Oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I was just agreeing with you. And then just um, just don't be afraid to just to go to a different area. I guess we had no idea about that deer either. Like there's no air, there's no trick tanks or anything even remotely close to that area. Just the place that Trevor knew from experience that deer pulled into to to rut those and and kind of spend the winter. So just don't rely straight on trick tanks and. Um, I guess that's mainly most of the people just focus around those yeah. things, I guess. And when Trevor said where we were going, I was looking at him like he was crazy, but <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to have like that, to be able to have someone that has that knowledge, like the past knowledge. That, okay. In the past, there has been bucks that moved in here to rut. Yeah. Maybe, his... Like without that, you wouldn't have even like you said, you looked like you looked at him like he was crazy because maybe it doesn't look like a spot, but the reason. Oh yeah, definitely. He he just found it one day. He was guiding a hunter and not really guiding a hunter, helping a friend. Um, and it, they went in that area. He had no idea even about it. He just went into that area and they killed a two forty buck in there. Jeez. So, like seven years ago or eight years ago. But yes. and then another thing I, I kind of took away from your story too is I mean with the fog and stuff and the hard glassing conditions you guys like worked with what you had like you said you glass for 10 minutes and then it would be bad again and then but I think maybe a lot of people would just like chalk that day up to be like alright the weather's bad let's just relax and camp and you know so I think that's something you can take away too is like you guys made the most of what you had to work with and when the weather did clear up you guys were ready to go. You guys were glassing you guys. Yeah, no, happen. definitely. It, it it you always have kind of have those thoughts, but you're not out there to hang out at camp, you're out there to hunt, you know. So when yeah. the hunters are like should we go back or whatever, you're like, "No, we're here to you know, we're here to hunt. We're going to make the best of we're gonna make the best of what we got and yeah yeah for sure so you you kind of talked about um your hunt this year but what what does your what what does your season look like this year 
But also, like, in, here in Utah, I just have that dedicated tag. It's, I, you get two... You can kill two deer in three years, but you get to hunt all four hunts. You get to hunt the archery, muzzleloader, early rifle, and then the regular rifle. And so that's I have that tag, and then I just have a a spike tag. I've been me and Trevor have been trying to kill a spike by six for the last three years that he <laughs> won't let us kill, but. He won't. He won't let us get to him. But I got a tag for that to go try to hunt that. So I'm hunting a specific bull on a spike tag. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and then um, for for tags for me, I I have I'm not very good at drawing tags. So that's all I have. But we got. I'm helping Trevor. He's got a really good uh, deer tag this year that I'm going to go help him with. Oh, and awesome. Then, um, and you have some clients on the strip this year too, don't you? Yeah. Yep. I've got. I'm just doing one 13B rifle hunter, and then. Uh, okay. I think we have four rifle hunters right now. Oh, so, cool! Cool. Four in camp, anyway. Sweet. Well, sounds yeah. like. Sounds like a pretty fun year. Hopefully. Oh yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be fun. The strip. The strip really takes up any personal hunting you know it's not like a walk in the park you got to spend the time out there so it's i don't get very i do my fair share of hunting but it's mostly not for myself (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so a couple things before we end i just wanted to ask you like um so you you've kind of guided on the strip you've gained a lot of knowledge is there something that you that you kind of learned or that you know now that you wish you would have known like five years ago? Yeah. If you know a deer's, if you know a deer's in an area or you've seen a deer in an area, give it at least like four or five days of hunting that same area and don't give up. Like four or five days is about the cutoff. And then I feel like it's about the cutoff, but Okay. You're going to eventually turn them up. Um, so I've just learned that you just have to stay patient. Just stay patient and glass. Like, I found more bucks glass, and I don't know how anybody else does it, but I used to glass in the morning and glass in the evening. Um, and going out on the strip, it it doesn't, I mean, mornings and evenings are better, but going out on the strip, bucks are changing beds constantly. They change beds about three or four times a day. So I found just as many deer in the middle of the day as I have in the morning and the evening. You don't see them as long, and they're not as easy to see because they're in the shadows. But I think glassing all day is a is a big thing that I learned that I wish I would have known. That's really good advice, yeah. Because, like, if yeah, a deer's bedded, if the deer's bedded on the west side of the tree and not on the north side of the tree, the deer's for sure going to get up and go find the north side, or if it's it's going to go on the east side as the sun shifting, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's That's some good advice. And then my last question is, like, you kind of talked about these uh, low deer density areas. Um and like getting away from people is there something you're 
specifically looking for, like when you're trying to find a new spot like that? Or do you just kind of like go out there and, and give it a shot? Well, water's, water's one of them. And then okay. I don't quite remember who told me, but it was just the old guy. I mean, he didn't really know he was really into hunting, but never really thought about it too hard. He says, follow the groceries. And so I take mm-hmm. that as if you find, like when I'm out hunting the desert around here, there's places that have, there's springs are rare, but like if there's any water or anything, you go try to find the water, but then if you can find, like, I mean, I look for thick scrub oak patches. The deer like big scrub oak patches. They eat the acorns off the scrub oak, they eat the leaves and things like that. There's no, like, cliff rows around here that they'd eat, but they eat the acorns and stuff, so I take that as follow the groceries. If I find a big like a big north-facing hillside, and it's thick with scrub oak and some cedars, I'll I'll just glass it. I don't know if there's a deer in the area or not, but I'll spend some time glassing it. And I mean, it's worked out most of the time. It doesn't, but sometimes it does. You know. So how, like, so in a new area, let's say you go on Google Earth, whatever, find your spring, you see maybe some of those um, things you're looking for. Will you spend multiple? um glassing days in there or are you just giving it maybe like one glassing session to see if you'll see a deer or um it depends if it's a big if it's a big if it's a big big look like if you're looking miles like you using the big glass or whatever then Uh yeah i'd spend probably four so two mornings and two evenings i guess is what i would give it but if it's just like one okay. one hillside or whatever, I mean, I feel like an evening and a morning is is plenty, but just unless yeah. you know the unless you know there's a big buck in there, then you definitely spend more time in there. Big bucks have been there the past, you spend more time, but if I'm just right. looking for a different area, I just depends on how big the look is, I guess. Yeah. So what what is your kind of optic setup? Um, so I run a pair of SIG, the, the SIG 3000, the B, the, the BDX, I think is what it is. It has the ballistics in it. Oh, okay. So like when I have a hunter, I just, uh, put their ballistic information into it to where I can, if I'm right next to them, I can tell them what to dial to right quick. So I like those for that. Those are just tens, and then I don't know. I'm weird. Most people run like running fifteens or whatever, but or twelves or anything like that off a tripod. But I just run a a spotting scope off of a tripod. If I'm not using the tens, I run the the spotting scope, and I like it just as well as using a pair of fifteens. I'd rather see exactly what it is as soon as I see it, you know, yeah. rather than pulling fifteens off and putting the a spotting scope on so okay sweet and then um yeah i guess th- those are kind of all my questions is there anything else you want to say or talk about before we end it um i mean the only thing people are asking about the strip and getting all down on the the hunting conditions but i mean if you if you like hunting enough, 
it doesn't really matter. You're going to go, the biggest buck you can find is going to get you excited. So yeah, that's how I look at it. Like if you're, if you don't put all you have into guiding somewhere, or hunting somewhere, just because it's a bad year, I, I don't think you're in it for the right reason, you know? Right. I think, I think there's still a couple of really big bucks to be had this year. Maybe not as oh, yeah. many. But oh I mean, yeah, there definitely is. Bucks out there. So. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, sweet Hunter, I appreciate you getting on. I I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, so I'm glad I got to get on, kind of pick your brain, hear some of those stories. Yeah, I appreciate it too. I love talking about deer. Always, thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget to go to DirtyGiants.com and get your raffle tickets to win a tripod. Thanks for all the support. I really appreciate it.